Sorry, I got caught up in the song. Forgot to put my mic on. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you, Emma and Luke, uh, for that uh, this morning. And um, we are going to be in uh, the book of Psalms and uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 this morning. And uh, good to have, uh, uh, good to see Ms. Venus uh, here with us uh, uh, this morning. Is um, uh, congratulations to Joel and Vivian. They um, uh, had their boy, and um, uh, Mama and Baby are doing well. And so, um, uh, thank you for your prayers for them. And uh, Miss Venus is here to help uh, with the kids. And so, we appreciate uh, seeing her uh, miss them terribly. And uh, they ran off to Rock Hill, but uh, we're so. Uh, glad God is doing such good, great things there in their life, and so uh, always good to see, uh, good to see them. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is very interesting, uh, interesting psalm in the Word of God. If you um, if you have a study Bible or a reference Bible, you'll notice that there are some um, symbols and names above. Um, uh, parts of these uh, parts of this psalm, and uh, you'll see Aleph, um, Beth, Daleth, Hey, Wow, Zion. You'll see all these different stanzas, as they call them. Remember, the psalms, what the psalms were used for. The psalms were used for songs. They would sing the psalms and um, and uh, psalms of uh, of victory and psalms of. Uh, uh, freedom and psalms of repentance and and uh, this psalm is an actually uh, an acrostic. It's very interesting. In the Hebrew, each stanza, uh, those aleph and beth, those are uh, letters uh, uh, of the Hebrew alphabet, and uh, each of those stanzas, so verses one through eight in Psalm 119, um, uh, each stanza, each verse of the stanza begins with the letter Aleph in the, in the Hebrew uh, language. And then uh, nine uh, verses uh, uh, of the Psalm 19, uh, verses 9 through 16 are uh, Baeth, and then so on as you see through this uh, acrostic uh, of Psalm 119. Longest psalm uh, in the Word of God, and it is a psalm, when I want to when I want to preach on the Word of God, or when I want to um, um, some information on the Word of God, I always go to Psalm 119. I call it the autobiography of the Word of God. Psalm 119. It talks in all of the verses, uh, except for three. It speaks of specifically of God's words, God's commandments, God's precepts, God's promises, uh, as uh, we see it uh, here in Psalm 119. Look with me in verse number 9. Psalm 119 and verse number 9. The scripture says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word, with, thy, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips 
have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Uh, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies uh, as much as is in all riches. Uh, I will meditate in thy precepts, uh, and, I will, uh, and I have respect uh, unto thy ways. Uh, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Very interesting passage of scripture here when it comes to, um, when it comes to the relationship between the word of God and holiness. The word of God and holiness. God's called His people to be holy. God's called His people to be righteous. I want you to understand uh, this concept, this truth uh, that we find in the Word of God. When you got saved... Now, let me clarify... I'm not saying when you joined the church or when you got baptized or when you got confirmed or when you turned over a new leaf. I'm talking about when you got born again, when you got saved, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. See, our sin... The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We have been separated from God. And that separation, as the scripture says, is a great gulf fixed. There is no way through the merit of yourself or the merit of another person, there's no way for you to get from where you are to God. Your good works can't get you there. Your baptism can't get you there. Your church membership can't get you there. Nothing you can do. I mean, you can give all your money to the poor. You can do everything in your power. But your power, your righteousnesses, the Bible says, are as filthy rags. We are sinners and our righteousness can never get us to heaven. So the only way for us to get from where we are as sinners to where God is, is through the way of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when we get saved, when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior... Jesus Christ, God, imputes the righteousness of His Son to your account. What does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. If you have lots of money, and by the way, nobody thinks they have lots of money. The very rich don't think they have lots of money, okay? So it's all in perspective, right? You have lots of money compared to, you know, somebody in Africa or somebody in, you know, in a third world country, uh, but you don't have lots of money compared to Donald Trump, right? So, but say you have money, you have money enough to come down to your beloved pastor and say to him, I would love to write you a check for a hundred thousand dollars. Right after I danced a jig, 
I'd say, well, praise God, you can put it in my account. You see, I have an account if you need it. Just come see me. I'll let you know what it is. Um, just kidding. But uh, you, and you wrote a check, and you put that into my account. That money now belongs to me. That money now is, I am now a $100,000 richer. Not because of anything that I did, or not because of anything that I accomplished, but that because you placed the money that you had, and you placed it into my account. Can I tell you that's what Jesus did? There is no amount of earning, there is no amount of uh, uh, accomplishing that can accomplish this. But Jesus Christ on his own account, on his own merit, uh, uh, took his righteousness and he put it into your account when you got saved. So positionally, now watch this, positionally in Christ you are perfect. You understand that? You are holy. You are righteous. You are redeemed. Because Jesus Christ has placed His righteousness into your account. And when God looks at you as a born-again believer, He doesn't see you. If He sees you, you're out of luck, folks. No hope. We have no hope. If He sees us, we have no hope. He doesn't see us. He sees the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been put into our account, that's been imputed into our account. So when he sees you, he sees his son in you. So what does he see? He sees sinlessness. He sees righteousness. He sees perfect holiness. Positionally, you're holy. You're perfect. You're righteous. You're redeemed. Understand this, practically, not so much. Practically, the way we walk day by day, right? Paul said, what did he say? He said, it's this flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're, they're contrary to one another. It's a constant battle. It's a constant fight. You still have the righteousness of Christ in you, but let me tell you something. When you got saved, your flesh didn't get saved, your flesh still wants to battle. Your flesh still wants to lust. Your flesh still wants to envy and be jealous. Your flesh still wants to be angry. That's why it's a battle. It's an absolute constant battle that we have. A constant battle of temptation. A constant battle of uh, uh, doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. Isn't it an awesome thing? Isn't it a great thing when you get tempted and, and, and in that temptation, uh, God gives you strength and, and you overcome the temptation and you do that which is right? Isn't that an awesome feeling? I mean, it's just a great... And do you know, I, you know I wish? I wish that we get tempted like that and then we don't ever get tempted again. That just ain't the case. We get tempted. Do you, know, do you realize that the Bible says that the devil came and tempted Jesus? Do you think, just think with me for a second, do you think that the devil knows and knew who Jesus is? Yeah, I dare say he knew who Jesus is, right? So if he knows who Jesus is and he came and tempted him anyway, he tempted him three times and, of course, Jesus won the victory. And you know what the Bible says about the devil? That he went away for a season. Just a season. 
the temptation of the devil, the temptation of the world, and the temptation of the flesh is something that doesn't give up. Do you know, do you know when you'll be free from it? When you're absent from this body and you're present with the Lord. Until then, it's this battle that goes on, constantly battle of holiness and righteousness and, and doing what's wrong and sinfulness and this battle back and forth, back and forth. And the psalmist here in Psalm 119 wants us to understand the relationship between the Word of God and practical holiness in our lives. Do you realize you can be holy? Talking about positionally. Listen, if you're saved, you're positionally holy. Praise God. There's no other way to get to heaven. But practically, you can do what's right. Practically, you can, do, you can say the right thing. You can do the right thing. You can't do it in your own power. But you do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do it through the power of the Word of God. We are not... Think about this. Think about this with me for a second. We are not sinless, practically, but after we get saved and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we ought to want to sin less. Do you know, if you are truly saved and you truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, sin bothers you? And your sin bothers you? If you can sin, understand this, if you can sin and continuously sin and it never bothers you, there's a problem. It's a heart problem. And that heart problem is, listen, the Holy Spirit of God, when you got saved and trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit does a lot of things, right? There's a lot of jobs to the Holy Spirit. He guides us into all truth. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is He convicts us of our sins. You ever been going somewhere and the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of your heart and you said, mm, maybe I shouldn't go there. You ever go to say something and the Holy Spirit says, mm, hold your tongue. It's that constant Holy Spirit trying to guide us into the truth of the Word of God, trying to guide us into holiness and righteousness so that we might not blow it. And we might not Live in regret. Have you, ever said, have you ever said something or you ever done something that you, that you regretted? Man, listen, if you're above the age of, you know, 10, right? I mean, there are things that we have done, there are things that we have said that we wish we could take back. I know this much. I mean, if we don't put a guard on our mouth... The words that we say, we can never get back. Once they go out, they're out forever. And I'm thankful for forgiveness. And I know God will forgive me. And praise God, the Bible says that we're supposed to forgive one another. But you know it's really hard to forget. It really is. As much as we try, there's that filing cabinet that's in our brains. And I don't know if it's part of our flesh that just wants to remember the bad things. Listen, I can't remember where I place my glasses. I lose my keys. I lose my phone. Constantly at the house. I mean, I'll, I'll go into the kitchen and I'll lay my, and lay my glasses down in, in the most obscure, the dumbest places. I mean, 
No, nobody will ever look there. And if one of my kids are following me, they'll, they'll come right up behind me and pick up my glasses, and, and I'll go, where am I? And, yeah, right here. I can't remember. Listen to me. I can't remember. You could tell me one thing. I, I want you to understand this. If you're not familiar with me or you're, you're, you're new to me, understand. I've forgotten something. It's not because I don't like you. I, I, I forget, and they say it gets worse as you get older. I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm, in, I'm it's not a, as I don't, I don't I'm not faking it. And, and, when, and when Brother Forrest was here, he was as bad as I was. I mean, I'd tell him, he'd, he'd say, hey, remind me. I'd say, you're joking, right? And I'd say, you remind me. He said, yeah, right. You know, we just, we forget everything. And boy, sometimes it's good to forget things, but then, Sometimes it's hard to forget things. Those things hold on. Things grasp our mind and grasp our hearts. And boy, I tell you, we got to be careful of what we say. We got to be careful of what we do because uh, there are consequences uh, to the things uh, that we say and the things that we do. Sin. Listen, just open your eyes, just watch the news pick up a newspaper. I mean, turn on your computer. Sin has left damaging results in our society and in our lives. I mean, churches are reeling. Christians are are wavering. The things we used to stand on, we don't stand on anymore. The things we used to stand up for, we don't stand up for anymore. You know, the Bible says that we're to to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're supposed to stand up against the sins of this world. You know what the church has done? You know what the church is known for in our day today? Compromise. So worried. We're so afraid we're going to offend somebody. Do you know who rules the world today? Not the majority. It's the minority that rules the world today. I mean, we're just afraid that if we stand up and speak the truth that someone's going to be offended. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you, if you stand up and preach the truth, someone's going to be offended. I remember the first time I heard uh, 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 somebody stand up and preach the truth, I was highly offended. I can promise you. I mean, we, we'd, do, we'd go to these meetings, and I'm talking about where these preachers would scream and holler and spit. I mean, if you said you were in the splash zone in the first couple, couple rows, I mean, nobody sat up in the front rows because they, I mean, they spit and snort. And by the way, if you left the rows uh, empty, they'd just come to where you are anyways. You ever been to those meetings? You ever been to a meeting where you had to go to the bathroom and you held it because if you, you thought if you went out, the preacher would follow you out there? Because he probably would. They'd get up and they'd jump the pews and scream and holler and it looked like their head's going to explode. Those are the kind of the meetings that uh, I went to. I mean, people jump up and scream and holler and, and say amen. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world have I got into? I mean, some crazy people. And the preacher would get up, and he'd preach against every single sin that I committed. 
And I think to myself, the people that brought me, I think to myself, you, you rats, you ratted me out to the preacher? Of course, they didn't even know the preacher, you know, but it's the Holy Spirit, by the way. Holy Spirit, get a hold of Don't be mad at the preacher. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to convict, of, convict us of our sins. And i tell you something. Uh, I, I've done things that I just wish I had not done. I had said things I wish I had not said. It's part of human nature. But I, I'm here to tell you, we have gone backward and not forward in, in Christianity today. I mean, we have, we have lost ground instead of gaining ground. Do you realize that the church is called to be a lighthouse in their community and ultimately around the world? You know what the lighthouse is? The lighthouse is to, to affect your community. It's to be there for your community. I remember when I was in, in college, we worked, uh, uh, many of us worked uh, at this one place. It was a, uh, a, paper, a paper place where they did um, rolls of paper for office supplies and stuff like that. And I worked in the warehouse and several other guys worked there with us, and I'm telling you, we used to call it the cesspool of iniquity. It was terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And we were just trying to be Christians in this place, and we were trying to stand out, we were trying to make a difference, and, and uh, we'd go into the break room, and boy, they'd be telling unsavory jokes and stories, and we'd have to end up leaving and eating in the warehouse, and we'd, I mean, all these different kind of things, and they'd I mean, they'd poke fun at us, and they'd say all these things against us, and, and say we're holy rollers, and all these, all these different things. We just kind of kept our mouth shut and tried to live for the Lord. I'm not saying we were always perfect. I'm just saying we just try to live for the Lord. And let me tell you something. When something bad happened, somebody's child got sick, somebody lost a loved one, somebody got in an accident, they, they didn't go to their buddies who they drank with, and who they cussed with, and who they caroused with. You know, the, you know who they came to? They came to the Christian. So they didn't believe in all this other stuff, and they didn't say they didn't believe in all this. But man, when they needed somebody to pray for them, they came to the Christian. They came to the one that stood out from the rest. Do you know what's happened? We've no longer affected, or we're not affecting the world the world's affecting the church. You go into some churches today, and I'm telling you right now, it's a circus. An absolute circus. The things that are going on in so many churches today, and by the way, I believe that there are good churches out there that have a, a, a large groups of people, but I'm telling you, it's becoming rarer and rarer and rarer. Do you know who has... The ten, ten thousands and tens of thousands of people, the compromisers. The ones who, when given an opportunity to give the gospel, water it down. Say, well, I don't know about such and such, but you know, I mean, if they're good intentions and they're good. No, listen to me, it's real simple. You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior or you are lost. What kind of good intentions you have? What kind of good person you are? And by the way, we are not good people by nature. The Bible says we are sinners. 
We are lost and we are undone and we have no hope. And if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, I don't care if you're a Baptist, a Presbyterian, I don't care what denomination you are. A denomination never got anybody to heaven. It's trusting Christ as your personal Savior that gets you to heaven. That's what makes the difference. And if you're a Christian and you've been born again, then it should be your desire to live your life for the Lord. Christians, we must strive for holiness. You need to stand out. You need to make a difference. Other people should be able to look at you and tell that you're a Christian without you ever even telling them. We've got to live our lives in such a way that other people are affected. Family. Do you have family that's lost? Yeah. You have friends that are lost? You have co-workers that are lost? I'm here to tell you, probably every one of us do. And what are we doing to make a difference? What are we doing to stand out? Because I'm telling you something, if you act just like them, then why do I need to change? If I look just like them, why do I need to change? If I talk just like them, why do I need to change? I must have what she has. Look at her Facebook. I must have what he has. Look at how he acts at work. That's the way I act. That's the way I talk. When's the last time we stood out? When's the last time we stood up for that which is right, that which is holy? God's people must strive. God's people must work towards holiness. And can I tell you, holiness, practical holiness takes work. Takes work. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Do you know to be faithful? Week in and week out, week in and week out, is not for the, it's not for the weak, it's not for the easy. Do you know, I'll just go ahead and embarrass her, do you know that Miss Lisa up, is up here playing the piano with carpal tunnel in her, in her wrists? Do you know how painful that is? Now, she's up here playing the piano because Sherry's not here, and if she didn't play the piano, we wouldn't have a, some of y'all need to learn the piano. I mean, seriously. And if you know the piano, listen to me. If you know the piano and you haven't told me, mm-mm. I'm going to talk to God about that. But up here playing, listen, up here playing the piano in pain? Hurting? Doing it? Let me tell you something. It takes work to do the things that are right. It takes work uh, uh, to walk before the Lord. And it's worth it all. It's never, ever in vain. Think about it. Every believer uh, uh, must uh, uh, strive or take heed to the Word of God. How are we going to take heed uh, to the Word of God and walk holy? Number one. That was the introduction, so we got about 10 minutes. All right. Number one. How do we strive to be holy? How do we um, uh, take heed to the Word of God? Number one, by preparing the heart. Preparing the heart. Look with me in verse number nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? 
by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. By preparing the heart. In the military, before we ever took a cruise or before we ever went away, we had to prepare the ship. We always had to be battle ready. That doesn't mean we were in a war. doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to... But we always had to prepare like we were going to be. If something happened, everybody needed to know where this is and where this is. And each department had its own uh, uh, things that they had to get ready, that they had to be prepared for when it came to war. When we were uh, over in Egypt, we were uh, over in the Red Sea for about eight months and... Uh, we were in Hergada, Egypt. Uh, that was our home base over there. And uh, we were in the Red Sea and we were doing boarding ops. So ships would come through and, and uh, we'd stop the ships and we'd take a small boat to their ship and we'd board them and check for, uh, for guns and for drugs and for ammo and for all these different things that they were not uh, allowed to transport. And we, we would do this on, on a... Um, on a, uh, on a regular basis, and it was one of our jobs. And uh, we had this uh, one ship that was coming by. It was really a, a, a smaller boat, and uh, we called over and, and told them that we needed them to stop and, and we needed them to, you know, because we needed to, to, to board them. And uh, they act like they spoke no English. So we said a couple more times, and, and, uh, and then we called down to the... Um, to the gunner's mates and said, we're going we're gonna to have to speak their language. And, um, and we shot two shots right across their bow. All of a sudden, they spoke perfect English. You ever, seen a, you ever seen a boat, you know, skid? Stopped. And, but you know what? The, those gunner's mates, they couldn't say, okay, hold on a second. We got to get things ready. They had to be ready right then. You've got to be, listen, you've got to have your heart prepared. Don't prepare your heart when you get into a situation. Have your, have your heart already prepared. But you know, you, sh you should not pray just when something happens. You should be prayed up when something does happen. You know, we, call it, we talk about prayer wars. There are certain people, something happened in my life, I, I would go to and i say, listen, I need you to pray for me. Not that I can't pray for myself, because by the way, you don't have to have somebody pray for you. You can go boldly before the throne of grace. Praise God for that. I don't have to have a mediator. Jesus Christ is my mediator. So I can go directly to the throne of God through Jesus Christ. But isn't it great to have somebody that's going to pray for you? Isn't it great to come alongside somebody? But you know what? I'm not going to ask somebody that doesn't pray to pray for me. Right? It's like, I'm not going to ask uh, somebody that's been married and divorced seven times uh, for marital advice. Right? I mean, I, I, what, I, I'm not going to ask somebody that never prays to pray for me. I'm going to ask the person that prays and stays prayed up. Because we never know what's around the corner. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow. We never know what's going to happen last, next week. Do you, I mean, if you don't believe we're living in the last days... You need to get your head out of the sand. We're living in the last days. 
and the stuff that's going on in our world today, I'm here to tell you Jesus could come at any moment. Any moment. I mean, I, and if we, got, we need to get busy about our Father's business. And we need to have our hearts ready and our hearts prepared. And obviously, the very first thing is to know that our sins are forgiven and that we're on our way to heaven. That's the first thing. But I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to prepare our hearts and we're going to have our hearts ready before the Lord, uh, then we're going to have to work at it. Think about this. When it comes to the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Think about this. The word of God affects the emotions. We're all different. Ah, mean, praise Jesus, we're all different. And by the way, in case you didn't know it, and the world's trying to say that it's not so, but men and women are made up different. Praise God, right? Praise the Lord. And we're all a little bit different. Some of us are a little bit more emotional than others. Hallmark, listen, a Hallmark commercial, come on, some of y'all cry. I can watch Joel Yeller and not cry. It is just, I'm just not an emotional person. I mean, some people cry at the drop of the hat, and they drop in the hat. I mean, they just like to cry. I mean, they're just emotional beings. But you know what your emotions are? Up and down roller coasters. Don't depend upon your emotions. But you know what the Word of God will do? It'll affect your emotions. It'll help you with your emotions. It'll help you with your heart. Think about this. The Bible says in Psalm 4, in verse 7, David said, Thou hast to put gladness. In my heart. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Have you ever been sad? Have you ever been mad? You ever been angry? You ever been bitter? You know what the Bible says? That God's word will put gladness in your heart. You know what some of us need? We need some gladness. You ever think to yourself, I... And by the way, it's a bad thing to think. Could one more thing possibly happen? Answer, yes. Yes, it could. Don't say it. I mean, use one thing after another after another. You ever experienced that? And you think you get discouraged? You get angry? And by the way, discouragement left unchecked always turns to bitterness. I mean, you just... You stay discouraged all the time, pretty soon you're going to be bitter. And by the way, pretty soon that bitterness, the devil will come in and he'll convince you that it's somebody else's fault. Nothing to do with you, it has something to do with everybody else. You know what our, one of our number one problems are? Look in the mirror. One of our number one problems is ourselves. I'm here to tell you something. You're discouraged. You're angry. You're bitter. I mean, you're defeated. Get into God's word because God's word gladness in your heart. It'll change your emotion. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you are. So often we're moved by tears, uh, uh, moved to tears. Allow God's Word to affect your emotions. Number two, God's Word will affect your intellect, the way you think. 
You know when we get ourselves in trouble? When we think. When we think that we're smarter than we, than we really are. When we think we know more than God does. That's, what, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Allow God's word to affect your intellect. Matthew 13 and 15. The Bible says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart. Do you know the Bible says in the book of Revelation when he's speaking to the churches? Ye that have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Do you realize that you could have the best hearing in the world and miss everything that's important because you're not listening? Have you, ever, have you ever done this? You ever been having a conversation with somebody and you get distracted and that person's talking and you didn't hear anything they said? It's easy to do, by the way, especially if we're distracted. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't elbow the next person next to you. But, we, so, but sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Because just because you can hear physically doesn't mean that you're actually listening. And you can hear all you want physically, but if you're not listening to the voice of God, if you're not listening to the Word of God, it's not going to affect the way you think. And we have, we have absolutely twisted up the Word of God. We've twisted it to our liking. We've twisted it to, our, to, what, to what we want. We've turned God's word. I say, this, I say this often. We turn God's word into a buffet. I like a buffet for two reasons. One, I can eat as much as I want. I like, I like a buffet. Listen, don't tell me it's all you can eat if I can't come back up and get more. It's not all you can eat, okay? So I, I like a buffet for that reason. But I also like a buffet because there are some things I don't like. I'm, I can be picky sometimes. Not often. There are some things. Some, some things you all have down here I still don't eat, okay? And, and, but you know what? On a buffet, I don't have to. When I'm ordering, I don't eat breakfast often. But when I do and I'm ordering, especially down here, down in the south, I don't. No grits. Listen to me. If a grit is touching my egg, one grit, just one, I'm sending the whole thing back. I am not, I do not want grits. I don't like them. Don't put them on my plate. What do they do? Inevitably, everybody eats grits. Boom, puts it right on your plate. Guess what I do? Send it right back. I told you I didn't want grits. I don't like them. On a buffet, I could just skip it and go to the next thing, right? God's Word's not like that. God's Word's not a buffet. You don't get to take what you want and then leave what you don't want. That's not how it works. God's Word is either God's Word from Genesis to Revelation, or it's not God's Word at all. And so we got to take uh, the entire counsel of God and allow God's Word to affect your emotions. God, allow God's word to affect your intellect. Allow God's word to affect your will. Your will. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, ye have obeyed from 
the heart. Take heed unto. Our will doesn't matter. Listen, it's not my will, Jesus said, but thine be done. It's not your will. It's not what you want. It's what God wants in your life. God's word will affect that. Take heed to his word so that you know the decisions you're making. They affect your emotions. They affect your intellect. They affect your will. And your will should match up 100% with God's will in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Take heed this morning. Are you saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are your sins forgiven? You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I pray for you.